You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now using the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Shoot, Welcome in, everyone, to episode 29 of the Rig Rats podcast, the Edmonton Oilers podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Kyle, on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Welcome, Kyle. How are you? Howdy, folks. I'm just, I'm living the dream. Out here on this weekend, um, we've got an Oilers game to talk about and some NHL news to talk about, as well as our play of the week, which we'll get to Uh, A little bit later after uh, a break and all that good stuff. But we should get down to the Oilers game. The Edmonton Oilers taking on the Montreal Canadiens in the second game of the little two-game series here we had after a really strong performance in the last game um, where we saw a incredible McDavid highlight reeler, uh, which we will, well, I will talk about a little bit later as well. We're taking them on again. We see Mike Smith in net and a big return to the lineup as the Edmonton Oilers get Ryan Nugent Hopkins back. We were talking about that being a big factor in this game. Um, I wouldn't say he was a huge factor. He did score a goal a little bit late in the game. The Oilers would lose the game 4-3, but would score two goals to make it 4-3 in the last two minutes to make it tight. So while there was a bit of a chance of a comeback, I never, you know, the score was a little bit tighter than maybe the game was. Unfortunately, the Oilers lose another big hitting forward as they did. They lost Jujar Kara early in the last game. And this one, Zach Cassian goes into a hit and just leaves awkwardly and would not return. I think he's day-to-day, so probably not out as long as Kara, but he left the game. I think he only played about a minute and 30 in the game, so next to nothing, so already down a forward early. And after that, unfortunately, the Oilers would have liked to have him because this was one of the most physical games the Oilers have played in the season. There were 87 hits total, and some of them, Kyle, were crunchers like physical games wear you down and it was everyone like mcdavid was hitting like everybody was hitting everyone you know me i love it when guys play physical i love when guys play the body it's a different element to the game and a lot of people are trying to phase it out but i think clean hard-hitting hockey 
is the most fun to watch. It is like one of the best spectacles in sports. When two teams come together and play hard, clean, aggressive hockey, it makes it so much more fun. So it's definitely tough when you lose two of your bigger guys that, that like to hit, that are good at it. And it's part of their job on the team, especially in like, you know, a game like that. But I think it was still went all right. You know, everybody still came out okay, other than Cassian. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was a really physical, really aggressive game. I don't know if it was the most clean hitting of times, and, and that goes both ways. But yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Oilers were pretty smothered in that first period. That they were outshot 14 to 4, and the Habs would score one goal with 28.9 seconds left in the first period to go up one nothing into the second period. And then early in the second period, Caleb Jones would spring McDavid on the breakaway. No one's catching him, and it's hard to beat that kind of move. He fakes Jake Allen out, out, elevates it up, and finishes basically where he finishes almost every play inside the net. And the Oilers tie the game up 1-1, and we were flying like it was a great play. Fantastic pass from Jones to to spot McDavid. And McDavid is one of the fastest players in the game and he picks he picks the puck up neck to neck with Petrie and there's just nothing nothing's happening no one's catching that guy Petrie's no slouch on the speed either but it's you're just not catching him like I mean Petrie's not slow by any means but it's like setting a, a Camry up next to a challenger it's just not gonna happen you're just gonna take off you know the pass though was absolutely gorgeous like the finish was good but I think the pass is the is the big play there Great vision, too. And unfortunately, yeah. Oilers, wanting to ride that high, immediately concede a goal 11 seconds later. It's a really nice passing play through the neutral zone to spring Josh Anderson with speed. And Larson, unfortunately, is kind of flat-footed and just gets turned. And Josh Anderson is one of the last pure power forwards in the game. And he just ex- did exactly that and powered his way to the net and scored on a nice play. And to immediately kill any momentum um, the Oilers gained from that goal and to immediately have the Oilers chasing again, um, which was really frustrating to watch. Then the game gets a bit chippy after that. Uh, Corey Perry, of course, of course. I talked about him last podcast. I, yeah, I want to strangle him. There was, uh, you know, a couple plays where uh, he took, he drew a couple penalties just from trying to flop. He like every time after the whistle, someone breathes on him he's just he's going down like the dude was shot um, yeah and it, it drives me wild and i mean in one of the cases though and a lot of people on twitter were mad about it is mcdavid comes up and elbows him so first let's call it spade a spade it's, it's a dirty play okay yeah it's a dirty play it's <laughs> a, a dirty play mcdavid skating by him and just brings his arm up high while i think mcdavid probably didn't get him very hard and i definitely think there was a little bit of embellishment from perry it's it's a greasy play Um, who me i put my elbow up i did no such thing (laughs) and i think like we definitely see it i think we've seen in the games versus montreal and in some of the games versus toronto as well um especially when teams are checking mcdavid really hard not just stick wise but like they're being quite physical with him he he definitely gets like frustrated and like you you can see him get like like sort of frustrated with that and I I definitely like the refing was atrocious in this game like Eve go going both ways like there were so many things that just weren't called and I McDavid himself I think could draw a call every shift 
um, if yeah. they if they really wanted to call call it right. But that that's a completely other conversation. It's a greasy play. A lot of people were like Martian McDavid, like what a like he's such a such a baby, like like uh, and comparing him to like Martian and Tom Wilson, um, yeah. Rafi Torres, someone compared him to. And I, I just I was like, come on, come on. Like it's a dirty play, but we don't need to go that far. Yeah. You can definitely understand, like, because like you were saying, he, he rarely gets calls. I mean, you you can, I mean, obviously, he definitely draws penalties, but he could draw probably three, four times as many as he does. You know I mean, they just kind of let it go because he's so good on his skates. So every possible hook, hold, trip, if he doesn't fall down or lose the puck, nobody's uh, nobody's calling anything on it, you know. And so it's definitely frustrating when you're, you know, that good of a player and you're getting the wheels beat off you by the other team because they know they can, and they know they'll get away with it. They're just going to keep doing it, and and you're getting the the bad side on that because well, what else are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be worse? You're supposed to stop playing? So, like, you can understand the frustration. Was it a dirty play? Sure. Did he probably regret it after he did it? Maybe not because it was Corey Perry, but probably just because he's a good guy. Good guy, McDavid. So, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't do it often. He's not like a lot. He's not a frequent, dirty play kind of guy. Yeah, I, I just saw a couple of Marshand photoshopped heads yeah. on top of McDavid yeah. on top of McDavid's body, and I was just, I was just eye rolling, like, like, come on. And Habs fans were like upset, upset that he was doing that. Like they, they were. I don't know. And it's Corey Perry. Can I remind you all of that? It's Corey Perry. Okay. Huh. He should have done it harder, in my opinion. <laughs> But anyway, we head to the, the second. The FBI guy listening, he does not threaten him. I promise. There's no, there's no actual threats being made. Michael does not deserve to go to jail. He's a good guy. We go to the third period, down by one still, and then we sort of fall apart a little bit. There's a some weird miscommunication between Archibald and the defense, and he sort of throws it back, and it hits Smith and pops right out to Toffoli, who scores to make it 3-1, and you sort of felt the team deflate after that a little bit. They definitely lost a lot of a lot of momentum. Um, and then, again, another scrambly play in the zone. Anderson would score his second of the game. Um, Mike Smith flopping her all around. He, he was complaining for goaltender interference, and we actually would challenge this play for goaltender interference and obviously lose the challenge. We would kill off the ensuing penalty. But they, they looked at it because they felt, you know, Anderson might have dragged him out a little bit and there was a little bit of contact between Smith but as soon as Smith had that contact and then Anderson wheeled back Smith was just like all over like out of the net like just flopping all over the place and and is scored above him definitely saw Smith get a little scrambly there in the third period and then like I said earlier uh, we would make it a bit of a game Nugent Hopkins would score on the power play and his return to the lineup on a beautiful between the legs no look drop pass from McDavid, which was amazing. He he buries a nice one, and then Pulyarvi continues his hot play, gets a nice tip on Mc, a McDavid shot from the point. And it was funny because on the broadcast they were talking about how McDavid was working the point, and McDavid can play any position, and he probably could. Uh, unfortunately, that was as close as we would come, and the final would stay at a four-three loss to the Canadians. That brings our record to twenty-seven, sixteen, and two. We almost had 
the comeback there, Kyle. And unfortunately, we don't overtake Winnipeg for second place. However, they have since lost. So we are still just one point behind the Jets and they are our upcoming game. But still looking at that um, Canadians game, a little bit disappointing after the first game, Kyle. What do you think the Oilers take away after this one? They made it close, but I'd say they they probably only played maybe a, a solid 15 minutes. I mean, those last two were good. Yeah, like you were saying before, the, the score does not really indicate the uh, level of play throughout the whole game. I think there was definitely a, a lot of miscommunication. And so there was it was just kind of a bit of a sloppy game. And, you know, once they started getting into the, you know, they started feeding into some of the Corey Perry stuff. Everybody's getting like under their skin and whatnot. And it, it kind of, it throws you off for sure. But I mean, there's a time and a place and this close to the playoffs, it's not the time nor the place personal opinion I mean, it's a tough loss for sure but i think montreal bounced back pretty good you know they looked at they looked at what they needed to do and fixed it and got it handled but kind it of, did seem to drag edmonton like you're saying with some of the Corey perry stuff i think anderson yeah. like they, they've got a lot of agitators and that's they did that without gallagher one of their prime suspects in the lineup and so they definitely play like a physical like they they i think they're they found their identity a little bit especially with their defensemen like oh my god shea weber just fed dry cross checks like spoon yeah. fed him cross checks to his back to his his sides and again i like, i don't want to complain about the refs for for the whole podcast but like there was like the ref standing right there dry sidles on the puck and dry sidle invites contact like he's a big guy and he likes to fend yeah. people off but weber literally leveled him like took him off of his feet and retook the puck and the ref's just like yeah play on and i i didn't really get it i mean maybe it, it's that they don't really call that in the playoffs <laughs> either but I don't know. It, it was it was frustrating to watch, and I Drysaddle I'm sure has taken quite a few ice baths since then. He's done some cupping because his back must have been just purple from the amount of oh, cross checks yeah. that he was getting. And their whole their whole defense is set up to do that. And so I think it's hard to not engage with that, though. Yeah, I, I mean I've said it a lot too that they have a big decor. All of their D men are are big physical guys. Um, you know, along with their their agitators up front, they're you know. Corey Perry and uh, Josh Anderson, even Gallagher when he's in. So, I mean, it's just, I agree. It is hard to not feed into that, especially when you're getting, when you're getting whacked pretty good, it's hard to just kind of ignore it and keep playing your game, especially when they're, when it's not being policed at all by the stripes. And then you, you know, you kind of think to yourself, well, all right, then we'll do it ourselves. And the problem is if that's not your style, if that's not your game, if that's not what you do on a regular basis, it's probably not going to work for you, especially not against the guys that do that on a regular basis. That's their whole identity is I'm going to play real aggressive. Do I like to see guys get a little aggressive? Sure. But I don't, but, but there's a line where you can play aggressive and still play inside your game. And then once you cross the line into pure, I'm I have forgotten how, like what I'm, what I usually do. And now I'm just going to kind of go out and play their game it's hard to do that and still come out with a win. And we saw that. So, yeah. So the Oilers unfortunately dropped some points there. Fortunately, they have a lot of time off. Um, they played that one game and then they had about five days off. They don't play again until Monday, uh, which is why we're able to record a little bit earlier than we normally do. And so then we're taking on the Winnipeg Jets. That's the only one game we've got upcoming before the next Thursday episode. And it's against Winnipeg. The Oilers are five and two versus Winnipeg. And I saw an interesting graphic. So 
after the loss to Montreal. Montreal is now five and two versus Edmonton. Winnipeg is five and two versus Montreal. And Edmonton is five and two versus Winnipeg. So it's like the North Division is a really hard division, right? Edmonton goes nine and zero versus Ottawa, and every other team is splitting this, this their series with them almost. So it, it's a weird division. But the Oilers are taking on an opponent they've had some decent um, decent luck against. They've been some of them have been tight games. Uh, our last game was really awesome. That was the three nothing shutout win, which was great. Um, that was a really solid game. And like I said, they're one point above us. They are 27, 16, and three. They just have one more overtime point uh, than us. So this is win or lose. One of us is leapfrogging the other. So it, it's a big game. Uh, I'd like to see the Oilers really come out and take this one home. I'm saying this is a strong 4-1 win for Edmonton. I like that. I like that. Um, you know, talking about the graphic that you were seeing, I, I, I saw that too. And I also thought it's hilarious, but I think it really is it shows how important style of play is in the league. Cause I mean, you know, different teams deal with different styles of play better than others. Like we were just mentioning the, the Oilers have seem to have some trouble when they play Montreal with that, you know, hard aggressive, you know, not necessarily always dirty, but kind of, you know, bordering on that annoying style of play They have a tough time with that. But then when they play, I mean, obviously Ottawa, but you know, when they play like Winnipeg, Winnipeg plays more of a more of a style similar to the Oilers, where it's like we're going to play more of a an actual skill game. We're all going to you know we're going to pass puck around. We're going to try to make plays and score, and so they play better against teams like that. So I think that's interesting just to see something like that. But I think they come out and and they're they're looking to take they're looking to overtake second place here. I like your four one, but I think for two i think they sneak another one so that's going to be my differentiation there they sneak one more in they, they get one more pass most likely mike smith after a couple of days off uh, i yeah. doubt Koskin and will ever see the light of day ever again right now we are sitting uh, still just two points apart you're sitting at 28 to 26 on that that prediction score when we're getting down to the wire and I think, I think we'll cut it off at regular season and then we'll do something different for the playoffs. Um, I, I like that. Yeah. So, so we're getting down to the wire here. So uh, I, I've got to, I've got to pick it up here. You're going to walk away with the, the, yeah. the, yeah. the first inaugural prediction challenge. Maybe my score will stand. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so now we are going to take a quick break and we will come back for some NHL news and our play of the week. And then we will wrap this puppy up and we'll be right back. Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. 
All righty, and we are back. All right, so Kyle, we're going to start out with some NHL news. Um, so the first thing is we have our first two teams to the playoffs here. We have the Vegas Golden Knights coming in first. They are the first team to clinch the playoffs. Then following quickly behind them is the Colorado Avalanche to become the second team to clinch the playoffs, both in the same division. Interestingly enough, that's a pretty... We, we pretty much figured that they were going to be the top two, some of the, you know, top teams in the leagues. Um, yeah. I'm su surprised it happened uh, one and two in that same division like that, considering they're both competing against each other for the most part. But I mean, Vegas and Colorado, at least in that division, have been dominant, dominant. Yeah. I've seen a couple of those, uh, a couple of the games, uh, not necessarily between the two of them, but just, just a couple of, you know, Knights games or Avs games just on like, you know, NBCSN or whatever, if they have like a national game. And those guys are so good. McKinnon, Landeskog, Ranton, those guys are so good when they play. It's beautiful to watch them play hockey. It's because it, they play well together too. And then, you know, Vegas, they have Wild Bill. He's he's showed up again this season. He took he took a bit of an off an off season last season. He was a not like a huge slump, but a little bit of a slump. But he's back and and big this season. I, I think it's going to be tough, especially because they're not they won't play each other first round at least, but they could play each other second round, which would be uh, a nice thing for everybody else in the league, so that they only have to play one instead of both of the teams. Because those guys are, I mean, two very good teams. Two very good teams. They, they both play a very different style. Like Colorado is a speed and skill, a lot of improvisation, you know, yep. run yep. and gun. And Vegas plays super structured. I mean, from bitter rivals to just incredible line mates, Pacioretty and Stone have just taken over. Mark Stone oh, is, yeah. is one of the best in the league. He's no one. I don't, I still don't think he gets talked about enough, but like yeah. he, he's in the conversation for the Selkie. Like he puts up points. He is, he's an incredible player. One of the worst tape jobs, but an incredible player. Listen, if it works, it works. That's it's fair. only weird if it doesn't work. That's fair. So then the other stuff we got to talk about, um, not really news so much, um, not a huge deal, but the Minnesota wild are on a six game winning streak. And that's not a huge deal. They're actually in the same division as the other two guys we were just talking about. They're falling close behind. They're, they're still competing, but they're playing impressive hockey right now. We see Kirill Kaprizov has really turned that team around. Um, Oilers fans will see, will be sad to hear that Cam Talbot is playing some really solid hockey right now. And as someone who has talked a lot of shit about the Minnesota Wild in the past, they're a fun team to watch this season. And I find myself more and more watching their highlights, tuning into bits and pieces of their game. Cause I mean, especially, like I said, Kaprizov has become nasty. And even before that, Kevin Fiala actually uh, was, was pretty fun. They've, they've put together a pretty interesting young and fast uh, forward core with some, they're getting decent goaltending and some solid defense. And all of a sudden it's a bit of a different look team. Yeah, playing well. Zuccarello still plays for them, right? So, uh, I mean, he's a, a very good player, too. Um, you're right, though. Kaprizov is just – I mean, he's doing things that are that are gross. I mean, it seems like every time he scores, it's a highlight real goal, which is awesome. Just for the league in general, I think, you know, all those exciting how-did-he-do-that goals gets people that don't really watch very much watching. So it's good for them because – they're back up on the rise and they're hoping to clinch a playoff spot. They're hoping to get in there. 
getting into play to the playoffs. So um, it's good for them on that point. But also, I think it's just when there's fun hockey being played, I think people notice it more and they're like, oh, oh what's this? OK, cool. And then they get interested. So I, I think that's, you know, super cool. Alrighty, and so then the last little bit of news we have is the Tampa Bay Lightning have received their uh, championship rings, and wow, they are uh, some imp- impressive pieces of jewelry covered in diamonds. Um, they released a whole thing on what all the little ins and outs of it. Um, just for for reference, I got some of them here. Uh, it's got. 30 custom cut sapphires that make up the iconic Bolt logo with 24 diamonds that encircle the edge. They've got 146 pave set diamonds that complete the ring top. Um, Some other things to look at on it. Um, They have one black diamond that represents a hockey puck uh, on the middle. As well as it's on that's under the cup. So the cup goes up like you they pull it up and move and like twist it to the side. And that black diamond is under the cup. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hiding, yeah. It's got the player's name. It's got how many overtime minutes played during the playoffs. It's got all of the game, like the... Series. The series yeah, that, the right? series clinching game scores on it, uh, on the inside. And then on the bottom, which I thought was interesting, on the very bottom of it, they have, it has the words gravy train underneath. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe is that, is that like a player's nickname or something like they got like their own custom nickname on the bottom. I wonder, you know, maybe someone on the team's name is the gravy train. That, that'd be something, but no, it's the team's locker room victory song. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Gravy train. So uh, I looked it up. I was like, okay, what, what's the gravy train? Turns out it's a rapper called young gravy. And this is the song I can play about 10 seconds of this before Young Gravy comes to copyright this podcast. So here's the song that the Tampa Bay Lightning played after every victory in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Awesome. I mean, I think we know why they won now. Yeah, you, you win just to hear the song. That's it. That's, that's the only reason you win. Boys, if we don't win, we no can't train. hear the song. No train, no boys. Train. Another cool piece that I thought about that, that was really cool about those rings, each player has their, uh, has their own individual signature inscribed inside the ring. So I thought that was really cool, too. They're definitely extremely over-the-top pieces. I think they're leaning towards, like, because in, in the past, uh, like we were talking before, in the past, they've been like modest, like most like some of the rings have been relatively modest. Like you were saying, the last Tampa Bay ring was relatively modest. Compared yeah, to I mean, it was just like but I silver. Think the NHL is trying to lean towards like the NFL, NBA type championship rings. They're like these huge things. Right. Like I think yeah. I think to build like you were talking a last like to build attraction and attention for yeah. the game. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this the, the drip, the ice. You're right. And everyone's yeah, got mean, their big ring. I think I think guys used to wear them around. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> like some, some guys would, would wear their rings because they weren't these crazy, elaborate, insane. It was it was a silver. It was a you know a, a, a sterling silver ring with a whole bunch of different. Uh, you know the, there was a, a few diamonds on the on the cup or or something like that. They had a, a logo and 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 their name on it, and that was it. And that was all. But now these guys are like they they came in like their own custom box too. It was like this cool 
box that opens up. There's like an LED screen inside the box. So, I mean, like, this is purely a showpiece. So they're putting everyone, every one of those guys is putting it in their trophy case and it will come out like twice ever again. And that is all. And they'll flash it to people when they're drunk. <laughs> I won the Stanley Cup. But other than that, I think those are staying in the trophy case. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, those things probably weigh, those things are probably heavier, heavier than a couple golf balls. All righty, so moving on to our last but not least, uh, one of our most important bits of the podcast, our play of the week. Kyle, do you want to start off how you feel? And you, you got something really going to knock our socks off? Yeah, I, uh, it's um, very early in the week. I think, I think it happened after our last, I guess, we were recording on Sunday, but it was the Monday podcast. It happened on Sunday night, uh, so very early. But it was Vancouver's first game back, and Holpe's in the net, makes a, a big first move. And then as he's – as uh, I don't remember who had the puck, but he was coming across the front of the net looking to shoot, and he throws the shot, and Holpe does a absolute – 70s windmill flip around legs in the air kick save it was gorgeous will he do it again probably not but that's what one of a kind saves are for so definitely i'm assuming that's going to be a in contention for save of the year there because that was spectacular yeah, I think it was Simmons who was coming in on that breakaway. And it was actually crazy because so he, he comes out with like the, the poke check and that makes right, the puck right. flip up in the air and it's still going in. And then he's his legs roll around and he right, kicks right. it out and covers it, which was incredible. And I mean, in that game, I mean, Holtby was incredible. And we were talking about Vancouver coming out of their quarantine. They haven't played right, in months. Being rusty. Yeah, and they haven't, you know, they're, they're also, they probably haven't, they're not icing their best lineup. And they've won, they come out and they've won their opening two games versus the Maple Leafs um, in outstanding fashion. And Holtby was a big reason why. And uh, that was a, that was a big save. So yeah, that's a solid, that's a solid uh, play of the week there, metal, my friend. I already told everyone what my play of the week was going to be. I, uh, if you listen to last episode's podcast, McDavid scored an all worlder versus Montreal on a big hit at the right at our own blue line from Pugliarvi to separate Tatar from the puck. And then it was all McDavid as he splits the defense goes through Petrie and Edmondson and scores while one, one foot, you know, just normal McDavid stuff. It's incredible. It knocks your socks off every time you see it. It's going to be on highlight loops for the rest of the year. It's goal of the year contention. I mean, probably though not even the best mcdavid goal though this year probably top maybe top five at this point but i mean his highlight rule just continues to grow we could do connor's corner basically at the end of this for a whole separate thing if we wanted to so connor mcdavid go ahead you can take another uh, play of the week from me because man oh man that was an incredible play cheers to you again young man cheers to you all right kyle you got anything else any uh, other news tidbits you want to talk about Oh, I will say um, recently the um, the women's worlds got canceled and, and people were talking about it. Some of the players, um, some of the ladies were talking about it and, and they were discussing their distaste for um, for being canceled. And frankly, I don't understand it either. The, the captain of the, uh, the Canadian women's team um, is from Nova Scotia and, and she was um, she was saying she was. She's like, I, I love being from Nova Scotia. I, I'm, I'm very vocal about it. It's, you know, it's part of who I am. I love it. And I'm very thankful for uh, the government for, you know, trying to keep us safe and whatnot. She's like, but 
we all had to quarantine on our own before we came to the competition. And then we had to each quarantine in our own individual room for a few days for, it was like seven, seven days or something like that. She was saying that before they were allowed to take the ice, they would have ended up after all of the tests, it would have been 11 negative COVID-19 tests before they were allowed to play. I don't know about you, but 11 is a pretty high number. That's pretty hard to fake or get, you know, false, 11 false negatives. It's pretty tough on that. So, I mean, I understand safety, but that's about as safe as it gets. If everybody's putting up, you know, 11 or 11 negative tests, just let the people watch some hockey, you know? Yeah, and we, we were talking about um, in a couple of podcasts ago about how fun yeah. the World Championships is, and the women's was included in that. Um, right, right. It's always a great tournament, and USA and Canada have a great, like, the women's teams have a great rivalry. And I, th- I think you're right. And the thing that I never understood is, like, they're not doing that kind of testing for the, the NHL and the NHL. Yeah. So I, I guess I didn't really understand what they were trying to do for the women and it's the, the world championships. So all of the, those players that have been, you know, quarantining and, and doing and putting in that work to play, like it's because they, they want to play. And it's, it's for some of them, they, I don't like, they, they might not ever play in that uh, tournament ever again. You know, it's, right. it's a huge, it's a hurt, huge deal. And I hope I would want to see it play, but I, I, I'm pretty sure they're probably not going to go back on it. It's probably, I yeah. think it's already shut down. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, I'm, I'm, they definitely canceled it, but I, I don't, I don't see them coming back and saying, okay, like, we'll, we'll let you play. But it sucks for, I mean, because it, it was supposed to be in Canada, it was supposed to be in Nova Scotia this year. And it sucks for, um, the Americans went above the border and the Canadians all just went to Nova Scotia. But the thing about the teams like, you know, Sweden and Russia and these other national teams that literally flew across the world to come play. And then they got here and they're like, actually, we lied. We're not going to do it anymore. So I'm sure they're uh, very angry. And in a world where, you know, women's sports are definitely getting a lot more popular and, and a lot more inclusive. And they're trying to make it a bigger deal, which rightfully so they should. I think that's one of the things that is really important and should be played for everybody to have a little bit of national pride and, you know, from whatever country you're from, but everybody should have a little bit of national pride and be able to watch their team compete for their country. Cause I mean, we've heard plenty of plenty of players say competing for your country is like a completely different feeling. That's one of the best feelings there is. So I was a little disappointed about that, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, that, that's true. I, I would have liked to see him play a good ad there, buddy. Um, and with that, then uh, we will wrap this up. The Jersey contest uh, has concluded, I believe. Unfortunately, the Calgary Flames in the Dome podcast beat us. So uh, they, they're going to be hooking those guys up with with their jerseys. Uh, but I appreciate everyone who participated in that. Be sure to follow this podcast because uh, I'm sure we'll be doing more contests like that. It's going to be at the rig underscore rats on twitter and uh also at hockey pod net on twitter to follow the hockey podcast network as well because they do a lot more contests so not just oilers contests if you're looking for other contests for other jerseys and other cool fun stuff like that uh that's a good place to uh do that also be sure to leave a review and subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast apple podcast spotify soundcloud it helps out a great deal and as always let's go oilers <laughs>